My name is Scott Ulrich. My name is Lindsay Chave. My name is Michael Riley. My name is Kayla England. And I'm Aaron Salvato. Welcome to the Good Line Podcast, a show where we get a small group of students together with a teacher to learn and discuss theology and the Christian life, and then we share those conversations with all of you. Today, we're diving into part two of our current class, Fighting Sexual Objectification Together. Today's episode is titled, Slaves to Objectification Culture. In this class, we'll cover the roots of objectification found in the Genesis narrative, examine the issue of how easy it is for us as a culture to justify and downplay objectification, and contrast the Pharaoh in Exodus and his culture of slavery with our current objectification culture and how it enslaves us to negative patterns of thinking. We hope you enjoy this class. Thanks so much for listening. Here's the pod class. out the reality that scripture shows us the problem behind the problem. There's always a bigger problem behind the problem. You see, when sin entered creation, God's original intent for humans was corrupted. In the, in, in the Bible, there's this word shalom. It's a Hebrew word. And what it means is God's peace. It basically, it means when there's shalom, things are the way they were meant to to be. And that's what we see in the Garden of Eden. The original state of humans, the original state of man, was image bearers of God. This meant that they carried in them not just the appearance of God, but the personality and the character. When people saw humans, they saw a a just beautiful reflection of who God was. And the way that people were made to view one another was family. You're my brother. You're my sister. You're respected. You're honored. You're valued. You're valuable to God, and so therefore you're valuable to me. And in this world, no one was objectified because everyone knew who they were. Everyone was loved and cherished and valued by God. In the beginning, Adam and Eve loved one another the way that God loved them. But then the enemy enters the picture. And what Satan does is he said, forgets God, or <clears throat> he says, forget God's design. Why don't you define good and evil on your own terms? And as a result, we as humans go from the proper state, image bearers, to a corrupted state. We become image defilers. We attempt to turn humans into basically commodities, products for our own benefit and pleasure at the expense of others. And now the way that we view one another is competition, objects, enemies. We think, you know, I like what I see, so therefore I take what I want. Or if somebody's in my way, I get rid of them. And this is why we have sweatshops. This is why we have pornography. And this is why we have reality TV. We try to take humans and turn them into products. Um, now I want to draw attention to, uh, this might be possibly controversial, maybe more so uh, with a different audience. I don't know, but I want to draw attention to a public figure. And I understand, you know, I, I understand I'm not trying to make any sort of political statements here, but it's, it's Donald Trump. And I bring up this public figure because he's one of the most influential people in the world. And the way that he publicly objectifies women has caused many women today to be troubled. So I'm just using him as, as an example. Um, here's some different things that our president has said. Um, he was in charge of the Miss USA pageant, and he was quoted saying this. They said, Trump, how are you going to change the pageant? And he said, I'm going to get the bathing suits to be smaller and the heels to be higher. Um, during a debate uh, or, or during a time period where he was going after a competitor, another a woman who was running for president, he said, look at that face. Would anyone vote for that? He wasn't talking about her policies. It was all based on her appearance. And even talking about his one-year-old daughter, 
uh, at one point they were asked, you know, what do you think about your one-year-old daughter? And he said, well, she's a beautiful baby. She has her mother's legs. We're not sure if she'll have her mother's breasts. Only time will tell on that one. So it just shows that it's highly ingrained in, in not just him, but in our culture to objectify people in these horrible ways. And, and I'm just trying to point out a real issue because I know several girls who used to be Christians and walked away. They're, they're backslidden, they're struggling. And one thing that they're troubled and angry by is hypocrisy in the church. Because quite often the church is preaching sexual purity and honoring women. Uh, but I, I know some of these girls, I've talked to them, and they've seen how so many men in their church seem to worship and look up to men like Trump. And, and, and you know, when he has treated women this way, it's a struggle for these girls because they feel like their dads and uncles and grandpas have sacrificed them on the altar of politics by choosing to ignore and downplay uh, Trump's statements. I even know Christian women and girls who feel this way. I mean, especially when the tape came out where he was talking about grabbing women's body parts and just admitted to it, the response of many men that I know who just wanted to defend their candidate, because this was during the election, they said, well, you know, it's just locker room talk. It's no big deal. All men are this way. And I know many women, my wife included, who were hurt by this. Just because many men act a certain way does not mean it is how King Jesus would have them act. And in our culture, we just see that objectification is this huge issue that isn't going away anytime soon. I want to take a moment and just break for discussion. Do you have any questions on this or has this put anything on your heart that you'd want to share? Yeah, I definitely um, kind of want to go back to what you were saying. I know you brought up, um, you know, Donald Trump. Right. And the thing that, and what's funny is Kayla looked at me because we've had this discussion on our own about this because stuff like that personally makes my blood boil because it makes men look like that. And then when men turn around and defend that as locker room talk, it's, it's not, not, um, it's not right. Mm. But then on top of that, just for example, you know, and maybe you girls can speak into this. I had, I, when the election was going on, I was speaking to a couple, an older couple about that. And I told them, I said, you know, one of the main reasons I disapprove of Trump is because, and I'm only using him because, you know, this is just kind of one. He's the current guy. Yeah. The current yeah. person. Um, because that whole instance where you said, you know, the locker room talk instance and, uh, I'll never forget this. I said, you know, I don't agree with him because I eventually would like to have a daughter. Mm. You know, I want to have kids and I would want one of them to be a daughter. And if I ever heard anybody talking about my daughter like that, it would not be okay. (laughs) Um, and not the, not the man in the conversation stood up for him, but the woman Mm. in the conversation stood up for him. And Mm. that was very shocking to me. And it was, it kind of took, took, you know, took me back. And I was just kind of like, I don't know how to feel about this because you would think that, and this make make me sound, you know, pretentious, but you would think that as a woman that would make your blood boil, but this woman did not feel that way. Did you feel like, um, did you feel like she was saying, yeah, I know it's horrible, but you know, he's the guy we need to vote for. Or was it, was it downplaying? Like, it's not that bad. It was the downplay role. Yeah. It was the, well, it's locker room talk. Right. Men, men talk like that all the time right. when no one's looking. Uh, why should it be any different? The only reason that, and it went down the whole media trail and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And so it just, looking back on it then, I wasn't where I am today in my face. So I kind of just, I was like, this person, even though, even then my heart broke for in that situation. But now looking back on it, I look at it as like, this woman has become so desensitized to, you know, culture that it's okay that this this figurehead that's running for president of the United States, it's okay that he is sitting there 
on mic and 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 knows that he may have been on mic or not whatever right. has said something about grabbing a woman in a specific area of her body right and and laughing about it right yeah i so i don't know where all you guys are at politically like i haven't sat down and talked with any of you guys about that subject I'm sorry i'm sorry if i made this like a political discussion no no this is it's just that that gets my blood. No, it's an important, it's an important discussion for this reason. So like, so I grew up conservative. That's, you know, the majority of people I grew up with, that's where they lean on things. And this is what I've posed to my friends from back home about this. When I talk about this issue, I say the stuff that this guy is saying and the stuff that he's been accused of doing, if Obama was running again and he was accused of these things and he was on tape saying these things and laughing, what do you think would happen? And it was like, oh, like the, the Christians, you know, the conservative Christians would crucify the guy. They would just be like, he is the reincarnation of Satan is what they would say. And it shows the, the, the reality of people, because I, I, I understand people thinking, you know, the, you know, this is a guy where, you know, we feel like we really don't want to vote for him because he's not a good person. But the only way we're going to get our policies and principles in his vote, like I can see that perspective. I don't necessarily always agree with it, but I can understand it. But for people to defend and to downplay, it shows the idolatry of politics and Christianity today on both sides, I would say. There's this idolatry that says, I don't care as long as my team wins. Yeah. And if someone on the other team does something, I'm going to blast them and go after them. But if someone on my team does something, I'm going to defend them until the cows come home. And it's wrong. And it's an idolatry that Christians shouldn't be a part of. Well, and it goes back to that thing, that post that you put up there about mm. evil coming in the competition. Mm. It, it, I see I see what I want or I see what I like, mm. but let's just disregard all these other things right. that are happening. Yeah. I just, I want what I want, so I'm going to yeah. go get it. Yeah. Um, anybody else? Uh, that's good, Mike. Any, anybody else? Any other thoughts? Take your time if you need to think. No, nothing right now, Scott? No? Okay, let's move on. Um, so the next thing I want to draw attention to is the reality that we can look in the Old Testament to the story of Exodus, and we can look at the character of Pharaoh as sort of like an archetype for what we see in culture today. There's a culture of Pharaoh. And basically what I mean by that is it's the objectification of humans for the gain of somebody in power. Um, Pharaoh is one of the first evil empires of the biblical times, and it represents what a kingless kingdom looks like. It's this empire, and it's this place where power is gained by crushing others. You guys know the story of the Pharaoh in ancient Egypt. He brings the Israelites into Egypt and makes them slaves, and, and basically he uses them. He sees them as objects of labor. Like All he wants to do is use them for his goals. And the reality is all empires stand in contrast in opposition to the kingdom of God. Pharaoh's evil empire was the largest scale empire the world had ever seen of a kingdom dominated by sin, by man trying to play God. That's what the Pharaoh was doing. Pharaoh rejects the Hebrews. He rejects them. He rejects the reality that they're made in the image of God and they deserve honor and love and respect. He tries to turn them into products for his own benefit. He makes them slaves and he uses them to get what he wants, wealth, power, and status. He's not thinking, how can I nourish and love these humans, these Hebrews? He says, no, I just want to squeeze them as much as I can. I just want to get what I want out of them. I love what Jefferson Bethke says. He says, the minute you are leapfrogging over someone or using them as a stepping stone, you know objectification is happening. We need to see the bigger problem 
The problem of objectification is not just objectification of women by men. It is wicked humans using one another as commodities and objects to get what they want. And the problem behind the problem is the matter of the heart. We need to understand this problem and help us understand that to solve the problem that comes after it, which is objectification of women, we need to reject the culture of Pharaoh because the culture of Pharaoh just produces slavery. How do we pull someone from the culture of Pharaoh? you know, which is objectification, it's slavery, it's using others to get what you want. And how do we pull people into the beauty that is the way of Yahweh, our God? Pharaoh's culture is work, 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 more bricks, more straw, more hay, give me what I want. And like I said before, girls, that, you know, for the, for the women in this room, that is, and for the women listening, that is what culture says to you. It's the culture of Pharaoh that says, I want to make you my slave. You got to look this way, act this way, dress this way, show some skin. Don't be fat. Don't be too skinny. Be pretty, but not too sexy. Don't be a doormat, but don't be overwhelming. And, and it shows us this culture without God is empty. When we allow culture to command how we live our lives, we'll be crushed by impossible standards that lead us to sin. Remember when Adam and Eve first sinned, how did they repent? They, they didn't. They, they played the blame game. They said, oh, it's not my fault. It's Eve's fault. It's not my fault. It's Adam's fault. It's the snake's fault. When, when it comes to objectification of women, we see this happening all the time. We scroll through the comments of any YouTube video where a woman is being objectified and you'll see the darkness of the human soul. Just people coming up with all of these reasons why this woman deserves to be objectified instead of addressing the darkness of the human heart that says this is a heart issue why we as humans are doing this. We always need to remember the issue is a heart problem and the first step to solving it is we need a heart transplant. And the thing about becoming a Christian is when you get saved, when you give your life to Jesus, all of your sin and issues and problems don't go away. There's some Christian men and women who've been Christians for 30 years, but they're still holding on to this issue of objectification. So it's very important for us that we learn to resist this, to recognize it, that it's happening in our lives and to actually resist it. What do you guys think? Any thoughts? I think you guys have great thoughts. <laughs> I think more and more, like not even with, or just kind of seeing the, the philosophies that are thrown around uh, of culture, really not even with objectification, just in general, like it, this culture without a God and having culture alone define you. That's like what you're saying is like super, super true. I'm seeing more and more of that as I'm seeing just, you know, you scroll through Facebook, see everyone's ideologies about how life could work uh, apart from Jesus and apart from a, like an absolute truth that God can provide, hmm. you start to see where things can break down and things doesn't really add up and you just get a lot of fear of the other. And it's kind of a little off topic, but just, I, I think a culture without God, it really is like a, a culture that doesn't really have a strong foundation hmm. and it really, I guess it kind of does tie into the objectification because like, if we don't have Jesus at the center of it, then objectification really is going to run rampant mm. because culture is kind of telling us these standards that we have to live by. Oh uh, yeah. Cause it's a matter of perspective. It's like if our perspective lacks Christ and it's, there's no Christ in our perspective, we see the world through a completely distorted lens yeah. where there's no point to love people or respect yeah. them or honor them because we're just animals, right? We're just, we've just evolved and we're just animals and yeah. we should just act like animals, like animals do. Like, you know, it's animals are terrible. Like if you, like if you go to a duck pond, ducks will literally just like rape each other, but it's, they're animals. So it's like, we look at that and go, oh, they're animals, but humans can do the same 
thing, even if it's not as blatant as going out like in the story and raping somebody, we can, we can do that to somebody with our eyes, with our thoughts. We can undress somebody with our eyes, um, and, and, and do things to them without their consent and, and without any love, without any true love and care and compassion and desire to show somebody what it looks like to be in a loving relationship with Christ we can treat one another as doormats and it's something that every human has been guilty of at some point, including myself of mistreating others and objectifying others. Um, any, any thoughts from the rest of you guys or, or from you girls, any thoughts? I don't know if this would be a better thing to say like towards the end or now. Say it now. I was going to say now. Um, I think it, I know that it's important to remember who's behind all of these actions and hmm. like Satan and, is 100% behind even the person that you just cannot handle because they do this. Mm. But you have to remember that he, they, like they are sinners, but the root of that is Satan and the root of, yes, their, their sin is lust or pride or whatever, but what's behind that. Right. And then that'll also help us see them as someone who can be helped and who can, be, mm. and who's worthy of being helped too, even if they've done the awful of the awful. Mm. Like that is so important to remember who is actually behind it. And then that'll mm. put less stress on you and less, and even like righteous anger is great, but right. anger towards someone for something and hating them mm. isn't what we're called to do. See, that's an excellent point you're making. And it's a very like refreshing point in a world where there's so much anger towards men who've done these things. What a compassionate heart you have to basically say, you're, you're recognizing a truth that Paul, the apostle gets at when he says our enemies are not flesh and blood, but it's the dark forces. Mm -hmm. Really no human is our enemy. Every human is actually the victim of the true enemy. Every time you see somebody in sin, of course there's personal responsibility. Of course we can't just say, Oh, the devil made him do it. But the reality is that people who are steeped in sin, they're in bondage to Satan. He's corrupted their mind and their thoughts and their hearts so much that they're overwhelmed by their own sin and they act out. And so as Christians, to have compassion and to look at people and not just be, oh, I'm disgusted. Oh, lock them up, throw throw them in jail, never talk to them. But instead to have this heart that says, man, these people have done horrible things. And yes, if they've done crimes, they should pay for their crimes. But... I want to have the heart to have compassion and I want to win this person to Jesus. Like I want to see them freed from their sin. Um, that's just incredible to me. Incredible heart there. Thank you for sharing that. It's great. Anybody else before we move on? I think it's, this may not go with this, but I think it's important that we say that it's not just men objectifying women, mm. that women objectify women themselves mm. because like I have had instances where I've walked into like clothing stores mm-hmm. and I dress I dress pretty modestly just because that's like what I like. Right. And I remember walking into a store to just browse basically and the lady like talked down to me because I wasn't showing skin basically. What? And I've like never like, picking me apart. I've never experienced that because I'm a guy. Yeah. But that that's insane. That's is is that common? You think it's happened to me multiple really? times. Really? Yeah. yeah, it happens. So, like somebody who I'm just trying to wrap my brain around this, like somebody who works at a clothing store is berating you because you oh, don't show enough skin. Oh, the same and gender? Yes, yeah, she was saying because I I don't remember what I was wearing, but I was like the clothing store like had clothing that I would wear. Right. But the things that I had in my hands, she was like, "Oh, you wouldn't wear those. That's not like your kind of style." 
and wow. was like telling me what I should wear and like my features that would be better enhanced. And so I, tr trying to pressure you to conform to the standard of society that says women should present themselves as sexual objects. Interesting. That's really discouraging. It's even That's happened, frustrating. Like, I've seen it at a, like a boutique I was in. I went in and I was not dressed my best. Like, I was, I was not dressed to impress that day. And, um, but other girls were dressed nicer than me in the, in that clothing store. And as I walked in, I didn't get a greeting, but as a few other girls walked in, they got a greeting. Mm. And so even noticing that happens as well. And I don't know if, like, I'm pretty sure the woman did not recognize or know them personally because mm. like, they, you can just tell. But mm. That's another example of that happening. And Lindsay, I don't know if you've ever experienced that mm -hmm. either. But I, I, I remember uh, watching a YouTube documentary about uh, the store uh, Abercrombie and Fitch. Did I say that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And <laughs> Scott's like, yes, you did. I, <laughs> 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 no, I know it well. <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, I remember watching this documentary um, where basically they were talking about how um, they would only hire guys and girls who were considered like model standard attractive to work at the front of the store. And, uh, and it was also usually white people too, which is interesting. They, there was a, a black girl who was talking about how, you know, she's like, I, I'm totally good looking, but they put me in the back of the store, like way far away from everybody else. And, you know, people who applied to work there who weren't attractive were sent to like the mail room or something like that. Yeah. Shipping room or something like that. Um, so it's definitely this oppressive idea that culture has where if you're not sexual, if you're not somebody where people look at you and they can objectify you, then what worth do you even have? Like, do you guys feel that in culture sometimes? Or that's the way that culture treats? 100%. Yeah. Hmm. Were you asking them or just all, all of you? Okay. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> all y'all. I just, well, cause you bring up Abercrombie and Finch, Finch, <laughs> Abercrombie and Fitch. And it's so funny because when I was growing up, Y'all pointed fingers at Scott. That was like the thing. <laughs> that was like the thing I, to I really wear. Didn't like, wear that at all. <laughs> I, I figured you probably didn't. But. That was like the thing to wear in like middle school, and it was just like so crazy because that's exactly the thing. Like you would walk in, and it would just be like these people that work there, and you're like, you're like this geeky seventh grader trying to like <laughs> have this V-looking body, like abs and everything, but right. putting on a pair of cargo shorts at that time. Wouldn't is it going to accomplish that? And it's but it's like this thing that society is telling us like this is what a man needs to look like or this is what a girl needs to look like. This is what is acceptable. But it just goes back to uh, what Scott was saying. It's just this world that's been so broken with sin mm. and doesn't have Jesus at the forefront has allowed sin to fill in the cracks and mm. basically bleed into our mind that what we wear is not okay because it's not acceptable mm. in, cult in, in, in culture, like Lindsay was saying. Mm. That's stupid. It's that really sorry. stupid. I'm sorry. No, it's really stupid. <laughs> I agree. And it's funny you mentioned that, like, like uh, me shopping at Abercrombie because I really did, like, when I was, like, I got around the middle school age, um, I think it was kind of the cool thing to wear yeah. uh, <laughs> amongst my friends and, like, it was a social status to yeah. have Abercrombie and Hollister. And Drink yourself and all that. Yeah. Cologne. And Ugh. without even being aware of the, um, of like kind of the degrading of the, um, of kind of humanity that it's kind of goes behind the scenes. But my parents actually didn't allow me to w buy from Abercrombie or Hollister because of that. Mm. Wow. Oh, them. Yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's good parenting. So they, Were you sad? 
I was sad because I didn't understand it fully. Mm. But looking back, like, I don't know. It just, it kind of took that kind of, like, I didn't understand because I was a kid, but my parents understood. And like, mm. I think as a kids, we're still so under the pressure of, of social identity mm. that even if we don't understand it fully, like we can still get sucked into it that easily. Absolutely. And just from social circles. Social media doesn't help with that at all. Oh, yeah. Social media has escalated the problem to the point where everybody, guys and girls are trying to sexualize themselves because they look at the Kardashians and they think like that is the only way to get likes or to be liked in general is the more I objectify myself, the more I am loved by people. But it's not true love. It's people staring at you and objectifying you. And who knows? It's 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 a terrible thing. But humans, it's just as I was a youth pastor for years and just watching how our society has affected the young people would just always break my heart. And that's that's one of the reasons why I think the church has such a big role to play in this, because as the kingdom of God, which that's what we are like, the there's many theologians that they have this great point that the church is basically an outpost of the kingdom of heaven on earth. So it's like, you know, yes, heaven is a future destination. But where the king is, where Jesus is, the kingdom also exists. Jesus says the kingdom of God is among you. And um, we all go to the same church here. We go to Frontline in Oklahoma City. And we all attend a community group, or at least we did before. Uh, <laughs> it's complicated. Uh, we didn't split. It's uh, We do this thing called multiplication, where if the group gets too big, <laughs> we were on a break. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, so we have divided into two groups to further spread the kingdom in OKC. Um, but one of the things I love about our group is I have never felt like it mattered what anybody looks like. I feel like when we're together, we're friends, we're family, there's this just mutual love and acceptance of one another and friendship and just encouragement to one another. And it doesn't like there's, I've never felt like in our group, like there was ever clicks and it was like, oh, there's the popular kids over there, like the hot kids, you know, that's how it was <laughs> when I was in high school. It was like the, yeah, the yeah. really good looking people all, all hung out together and they kind of excluded everyone else. Um, just to see in our group so many different types of people and so many different ways people look and sound and act and backgrounds and where they come from, just to see this brotherhood and sisterhood among them was something that was so encouraging to me as somebody who has been insecure my entire life about how I look and that sort of thing. High school was terrible for me. Middle school was terrible for me in that way. Um, so I, I just think that uh, that's what the kingdom of God should look like. Any other thoughts before we move on to the next thing? Yeah, I, I don't know. You popped in my head when you said uh, the Kardashians. It was really <laughs> funny uh, that you said that because today I was scrolling through Twitter hmm. and um, there was a picture of her from the Met Gala, which was like this huge fashion thing right. that happened a couple, I don't know, last night or something like that. And it was all over Twitter and, and she, you know, she looked beautiful and she had this beautiful dress on and everything. Someone retweeted it and was like, yeah, you know, she looks amazing with her fake body. And it's like, it's just crazy. I don't know, you just brought it up. It's just like even this person that these people are trying, not these people, excuse me, society hmm. is trying to look up to, whether it be Kim Kardashian or for men, I don't know. I can't think off the top of my head. For me, it'd be like Tom Brady. But, <laughs> but Dwayne like, the Rock Johnson. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's crazy that that's what society has like kind of, but as this mold and then hmm. someone has turned around and like been like already saying these bashing this person. I don't hmm. know. It was just, um, it's just interesting to see that. Cause you brought that up hmm. that that's like the, 
the face and then. Yeah. Even, even somebody who's considered by so many, like to be a God of beauty is yeah. still judged by impossible standards, yeah. uh, which, I mean, if, if somebody like Kim Kardashian is judged, you know, how, what, what chance do the rest of us stand? That's where society is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. And I'm not even a girl. Yeah. <laughs> you make a great point. <laughs> Thanks for listening to episode two of this pod class. Stay tuned for next week's episode as we look at our tendency as a culture to play the blame game when it comes to objectification and examine the problem of women being blamed for sexual assault and how men can fight this by renewing their minds. We hope that this class has been helpful to you and we'd like to produce many more. If you want to support the work and help us make more great pod classes, check out goodlion.io slash support. Also, if this episode has stirred up any questions in you, we'd love to do a Q&A episode responding to your questions in this series. So if you can send a question to our Instagram account, goodlion.io, or send an email to goodlionnetwork at gmail.com, we'd love to respond to your questions. The Good Lion Pod Class is a production of CGN, or Calvary Global Network, and has said Creative. We are a nonprofit podcasting ministry run by a team of volunteers that seeks to bring quality, Jesus-focused content to the body of Christ. For more awesome podcast content, as well as articles, educational resources, and more, check out our website, goodlion.io. Thanks, guys. And remember, never stop learning.